Hello, this is Heather Jebo, one of the deacons from the Virgin's Congregational Church. This podcast includes portions of our service from July 10, 2022. The scripture lesson for later in the service comes from Psalm 82 and then Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's good to see you. It's good to be back. I had an awesome uh, study leave time. I got to have a a little bit of quiet time to do some reading. I got to go up to St. Anselm's Abbey in Manchester, New Hampshire and spend some time with some very hospitable Benedictine monks. And I also got to have a little extra time with Lydia because our childcare fell through last week. So... (laughs) It's good to be back. (laughs) I'm really glad to see all of you. You know, it's July around here, but we got a lot going on. I don't know if any of you saw our email from this week. We got lots of good stuff happening in the life of our church. You're probably wondering, who is this up here, right? We've got a special guest musician with us today, May Strachane. May grew up in this church. Her father was the pastor here in the 1960s. And she saw our ad for our church uh, musician position. And she said, would it be all right if I come up and uh, play for you all? She actually lives in Boston. (laughs) So she made quite a journey. She saw our posting on the national website. And we're really glad to hear her. Welcome. All right, friends, let us take a moment of quiet to center ourselves for worship. And now will you please rise and body our spirit for our call to worship. Creator spirit, wellspring of our lives, as the refreshing rain falls on the just and the unjust alike, Refresh us with your mercy, one who knows our own injustice. As the stream flows steadily on, defying all the odds of stone and water, flow over every boundary and border that separates us from each other. As the waters of our baptism washed us and welcomed us, renew us now in newness of life and unity of love. As we were once held in the waters of our mother's womb, hold us in the power and peace of your abiding presence. And please join me in the spirit of prayer. Jesus of Nazareth, strangers came to you because with you they hoped that they'd be seen for who they were and not for who the seers saw. 
May we who are strangers see each other because we, like you, need to be seen to be believed. Amen. And now, because we're flexible people, we're going to actually have a little extra music from May. So, May. I just want to say briefly, I remember so well being here. I was only about four when we first lived across in what we called the Parsonage. Uh, there were five of us at first, and then number six came along. Six children living in the house across the street, across the way. I remember that piece of grass being this huge lawn that we would run around and play on. I would play with my brothers. Everything was huge back then. <laughs> and uh, we went down to Nashville um, when I, by the time I was going on eight. So that's when we were here in the 60s. And uh, I just want to uh, bring my parents back to Virgins where they were here. So this is John and June Anderson who adopted me when I was two. And so um, I got my first chance to play the piano when I was a little girl picking out tunes on the big piano across the way. And so it's just amazing to be back here and to be here among you today. And so we're gonna try a song that I've written and it's on the insert in your bulletin. And it's Make a Joyful Noise. And that's what I hope we'll do. And from Psalm 98. And so I'll go. Make a joyful noise to God over all the earth. Let us sing joyous songs. Let us sing our prayers. Sing praise to God with fire and melody. Blow your trumpets, sound your horns. Make a joyful Noise to God, singing joyful songs with cymbals and with bells, dancing to the drum, praising God we come, marching through the streets to the ancient beats, tell the story of God's glory, make a joyful noise to Amen. The first lesson today is from Psalm 82 and can be found in your pew Bible on page 472. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the judge gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk around in darkness. All of the foundations of the earth are shaken. I say, you are gods, children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. And the second lesson is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 844. 
Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you should love your God with your, all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So in the book that I was talking about that we're going to be discussing on Wednesday, uh, Tattoos on the Heart, Father Greg Boyle uh, shares spiritual lessons from his work running a gang rehabilitation program. Not restoring gangs, but trying to help former gang members reintegrate into society. He runs this ministry in Los Angeles. And since gangs in acute poverty are so closely integrated there, he helped found this organization called Homeboy Industries, which, account, which attracts gang members to help change their ways by offering them a job. So he tells a story about when one of Homeboy Industries Um, businesses, the bakery catches on fire, and it's because the electrical system is old and shoddy, but a fire inspector comes and has a few questions for for Boyle because, you know, he's doing his due diligence. He comes up to him and he says, you got any reason to believe why someone might have started this fire? Boyle said no. The marshal sputters, uh, uh, you didn't have any uh, disgruntled ex-employees, did you? No, Boyle replies. All of the disgruntled ones still work for me. <laughs> Nonplus, the inspector says, 
you know this area where the bakery is located, well, it's known for hoodlums. Well, Boyle tells him, I think we're okay here at Homeboy Industries because we only hire hoodlums. <laughs> While the book reflects Boyle's excellent sense of humor, he is by no means its primary spiritual teacher. That role is reserved for the homies, young men and women who have endured terrible trauma, violence, and often prison. In another scene, a young man named Willie, who is still living the street life, asks Boyle for food money. Boyle conditionally agrees. He'll, he'll give him the money as long as there is some on his ATM card to give. So they ride to the ATM, and Boyle tells Willie while he walks out of the car, pray that, you know, some money will come out of this card. And so Willie piously puts his hands together, and by the grace of God, money comes out of the machine. When he gets back to the car, Boyle asks Willie, how do you think God sees you? God, Willie says, that's my dog right there. And God, Boyle asks, how does God see you? Tears well up in Willie's eyes, and Willie replies, God thinks uh, I'm fear may. So it's a Spanish-speaking uh, uh, area, and uh, this gang member's a Spanish speaker. Do any of you know what fear may means in Spanish? To the gang members, Boyle says it means could not be one bit better. Right? This gang member, this homie, tells Boyle, God could not think I was one bit better. And you know what? Willie is right. This charming gang member, he is right. That is not just how God sees Willie. It is how God sees all of us. We could not be one bit better. God could not love us any more than God already does. And still there is something within us that makes us wonder if God actually sees us differently. We get in disagreements with other people. We draw artificial boundaries and we quickly wonder if God could really love them. I sense this is what's on the lawyer's mind when he approaches Jesus in today's reading. He asks, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because he is probing about the correct way to be in communion with God. Not because he's necessarily interested for himself, I think, because I think he's interested in who is not in correct communion with God. And so the answer of loving God and neighbor does not sufficiently differentiate between how God perceives people. And that's why he presses Jesus further. Who is my neighbor? Or do I really have to love all of these people who don't love God like I do? 
While a good Samaritan in our culture has become shorthand for being a helper, I think the genius of Jesus' parable draws out, is in how it draws out the kindness of the person we could easily dismiss as an enemy. If Jesus were telling the parable today, it might be called the good gangster, the good proud boy, the good ISIS leader. Jesus picks a person whose lifestyle is at odds with ours and makes him the hero. The lawyer, in fact, is so stunned that he can't even say the name Samaritan when Jesus asks him who is the neighbor. All he can say is the one who showed mercy. Since God can give the gift of mercy to anyone to share, being a neighbor means helping, yes, but also showing respect for their dignity. That is what the Samaritan does when he sees to the welfare of the beaten traveler on the side of the road as his neighbor. So, practically, if we want to be grow if we want to grow into be, being better neighbors in this place, we must begin to see ourselves as God sees us. Because I think that there's a problem, and that's with many of us in our spirituality. You know, we imagine God as being an exacting boss or a parent who only gives us what we need if we perform excellently, Right? You know, and the problem with that is the striving to be a good neighbor out of obligation or compliance will only take us so far. What happens when you work for a boss who pushes you too hard? You burn out? Resentful? What is it? You quit, <laughs> right? It's not the way to get the best out of somebody, right? But... I, I think, interestingly, that's how a lot of us see God. Even if we don't think it, I think that's how we feel about God. We follow the letter of the law as best we can. We go out of the way to help when it's convenient or we're sure we won't fail because we don't want to mess up. But in truth, God blesses us with the grace of abundant and eternal life in this present moment, simply because God desires to be with us. It's not out of something special that we do. In God's eyes, we are firme. We could not be any better. Living as if that's true frees us to be better neighbors. We can help without worrying if it's going to harm our reputation. We can be more generous because we don't have to worry about buying things to impress other people. We can move through the world more deliberately because we aren't so convinced that our busyness will draw us closer to God. So, friends, how do we live more deeply into this spiritual insight? Any of you got any tips for me? How do we live into, more deeply into this notion that God loves us just as we are and that we are enough. We can pray, right? Setting aside time to not just adore who God is, but also to give space for us to receive that adoration. 
It's a good thing, right? We can come to worship, right? Get some of that buzz, right? That collective spirit flowing, right? That comes from when we sing together, when we pray together, when we're in one place. And we can also find it in service as we give to those in need, right? This is what some of the insights of Father Boyle, right? As he's spending time in this ministry, working with these former gang members, he sees Christ in them, and he learns to worship Christ as he sees them in them. I think people who have given a lot of themselves in service know that to be true, right? So, all of these things have the power to open our eyes. You see, the parable of the Good Samaritan is just as much about seeing other people's capacity to be conduits of God's grace as it is about us doing the right thing at any one moment or another. It is in seeing God at work through other people that we can appreciate just how much love God loves us and how much we are enough. Amen. Let us pray. Holy One, Holy Three, there is no place, person, or thing on this blue-green orb floating in space that cannot reveal your kindness to us. We are all your creation, and you made us to reflect your glory. We praise you for finding us all worthy of taking up the holy mantle of passing on your love. God of mercy, there has been time, times when each of us and what we have done has harmed someone or when what we have not done has left someone to suffer. And sometimes that someone has been our very selves. Forgive us, O oh God, for when we have missed the mark of living in what you created us to be. God of mercy, we give you thanks for the goodness breaking through our lives, for the beauty of this Vermont summer, for beautiful music and homecomings, 
for children, for anniversaries, for a long lineage of faith. We thank you for the help from unexpected persons that come just when we need it the most. God of mercy, meet us in our moment of need. Heal and comfort the sick and suffering. Uplift the poor and discarded. Renew our planet and redirect misshapen attitudes and habits of the people who abuse it. Listen now to the quiet longings of our hearts. There are things we all need to survive. Food, clean water, shelter, love, and so much more. Transform us to be more than receivers of kindness, but also to give, not out of obligation, but from gratitude, knowing you meet us where we are and care for our needs, as Jesus so lovingly does still. And let us now pray as he taught. Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. forth from this place with courage to be kind, to show mercy even to the people who are hardest to love. And may God show you grace 
even when life knocks you down. Amen.